You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Well, so good to have you in the house this morning. So pleased that you've taken the effort to get up and come and be part of uh, what we believe God is doing uh, in Centro Church. Uh, next week is a really, really big week. Uh, and there are a number of things happening. Of course, we've got our conference starting tomorrow night on the Sunshine Coast, largest conference in the history of our movement. Love you to be praying for that. Next Sunday is the last Sunday that will be... Uh, in this room just like this. Next Sunday night, we, we need you to come next Sunday night and help us because we're dragging everything out. Um, then we're going to pull the carpet up. We're going we're gonna to trash the joint. Who likes wrecking stuff? Just come along. We're going to have, have a lot of fun. We're going to drag up the carpet. We're going to uh, file down the, those little metal knobs that are sticking up through the concrete. Uh, and then the next day, the builders come in. This platform is going to be reduced in size. Uh, the island for the uh, sound desk is going to be removed so we can fit more seats in. The carpet's going to be replaced. And more than anything, from my point of view, is the system's going to be changed from an analog system to a digital system. Now, uh, that's going to happen over the following two weeks. So that starts next Sunday night. Uh, you won't want to miss next Sunday night anyhow. I'm going to be doing an interview with a fellow by the name of Roger Kayla, who's a member of our church who flies around the world every month um, on, on his business. He, he just does an incredible thing. He um, gives uh, Bibles to the South African and to the Af- to armies in Africa to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Bibles on an annual basis. You won't want to miss his story on that Sunday night. But uh, following that, we're going to trash the joint. Uh, <laughs> and in the following week, we've got the, uh, the spring fair because we won't be able to come in here because it'll be a building site. Uh, but by all means, if you haven't yet stumped up with a, a vision offering, now would be a really good time uh, to completely finish the work. It's going to cost a little over $100,000, where the Ipswich location at this point in time, somewhere between 50 and 60K. So it remains to be seen how far we'll be able to go, but we'll be able to make that call on Friday. I just put the, the, uh, the request out there, do with that. Uh, whatsoever you will. I'm going to tell you some self-evident truths about being lost. Uh, You'll know this to be true, have you ever been lost in the past? Nobody gets lost on purpose. We are genuinely deeply lost before we even recognize that we're lost at all. This is a man thing, but When men get lost, we tend to go faster. I don't know why that is. I know the way, I know the way. Shut up, don't tell me what to do. Uh, And no matter wherever you are lost, we wind up where the road is on, ends up. Now, these things are obvious when it comes to um, speaking geographically in relation to driving. If you're ever lost in relation to driving, simply contact your favorite online retailer and they will tell you where you are. Disturbing, I know. <laughs> Apparently, that's true. It's self-evident when it comes uh, in relation to our speaking geographically, but it's not so self-evident when we consider our morality, when we consider ourselves relationally, spiritually, physically, professionally. But those self-evident truths still apply. Nobody gets lost relationally on purpose. But there's a lot of people relationally lost. Nobody gets relation, no one gets uh, lost financially on purpose. But there's a lot of people financially lost, spiritually lost, and so on and so on. I would say parentally, if that was such a word. But all those alis, those self-evident truths about being lost apply across 
the, uh, across the gamut. We've been looking at the principle of the path, which says direction determines destination. And, and you know this, if I was to ask you this morning, where do you hope to be in the next, say, three to five years financially, many of you would be able to answer this. You say to me, oh, well, we hope to have you know, the house paid off or we hope to get a house or we hope to save up for this or we hope to be able to do that. Many of you in this room would be able to answer the question, what is your intention for your finances in three to five years? If I was to ask you the question relationally, where do you hope to be relationally in three to five years? Many of you would be able to answer this. We say, well, we're dating at the moment. You know, we hope to get married or maybe, you know, we, we hope to have a family. If you're in this room this morning and you're married, my sneaking suspicion is your intention would be your marriage will be stronger and more loving in three or five years than it is now. That is what I would imagine your intention concerning that relationship would be if I was to ask you professionally. Where do you think you'll be professionally in the next three to five years? Many of you would be able to answer that. Some of you would be saying, I'm going to retire, Hallelujah. Others of you might think, well, I'm, I hope to get a promotion or I hope to finish in this particular area of responsibility and move to that area of responsibility. The challenge is this, ladies and gentlemen. This is the challenge of our time to bridge the disconnect between intention and direction. There is a massive disconnect in the lives of most people between those two Massive ideas. We all have an intention. The question is, what is our direction? God doesn't want you to be a victim of this disconnect. I don't want you to be a victim of this disconnect. But you know something? There's something this morning that I am absolutely assured that God, myself, and you all agree on. None of us want you to be a victim of this disconnect between intention and direction. Let me give you some examples of, of how this works. You might be speaking to a, a, a young girl. You might be here this morning and you'll hope one day get married, you know, and you say, oh, I really want to marry a strong Christian man, you know. I, I, I want to I get uh, a family that's you know, revolves around faith and, and following Jesus. Uh, but I'm not... None of those men are asking me out at the moment, so I'll just go with those who ask me because, you know, I'm not marrying them. I'm just, just you know, passing the time. It's just some fun. It's not hurting anybody. It's just a diversion. It's not a direction. Hmm, okay. <laughs> uh, you might be a father here. And if I was, uh, you know, what do you see relation? And you were to say to me, oh, I want my family to be really tight. I hope one day that my children want to hang out with my wife and I when they don't have to, when they've moved out, but they, they want to be with us because of the love that ties us together. I want a really strong family unit. But in the meantime, I'm going to take extra shifts. In the meantime, I'm going to take extra trips. In the meantime, I'm pursuing the dollar. Yeah. I might be a grandparent. You might be a grandparent. I want to watch my grandchildren grow up. I want to see them mature, you know, hopefully be there at their wedding or whatever. But I want to live a long and prosperous life, but I eat whatever I like and don't do any exercise. I want to be debt-free. But at the moment, I'm borrowing money just to buy stuff. This is a big one. I want to see my children grow up to serve God. But right now, 
They've got other priorities. <laughs> right now on Sunday, rather than going to church, there's other stuff I want to see my kids involved with. But when they're 30, do you really want to see them doing that or do you want to see them having this? Well, I really want to see them having this. <laughs> Direction determines destination, not intention. I hope to uh, one day honour my wife, but I'm not marrying any of these girls. <laughs> so right now I'm sowing some wild oats. Intention doesn't determine destination, it's direction. I want to be generous. And you know, one day I hope to have some money so I can be generous. Intention does not determine your destination. I want to follow God, you know. I want to, I want to serve him. I, I want a, a life that's, that, that when I die, people look back and say, you know, he was a godly man. He was a godly woman. But I've got a few years between now and then, you know. So I'm just going to have some fun right now. I'll get serious about my faith later. Intention never determines destination. Direction does. You see, let me tell you something about you that you might find a little shocking. You're not unique. Let me rephrase this. You are unique but your story isn't unique. Your past, as much as you like to think so, is not unique, and neither is your future. We are incredibly predictable beings. Yours and my worst decisions were fueled by strong emotional appeals, weren't they? I mean, you just wanted it, right? So you drunk it, you smoked it, you leased it, you bought it, you moved in with it, whatever. And you thought it was a diversion. And it turned out to be a direction. You thought, oh, it's a pastime. And it became a pathway. Today, we're going to look at a story told by arguably the wisest king that ever lived. Solomon wrote a whole bunch of what we would define as wisdom literature. Although himself, not like, not unlike you and I, he wasn't good at taking his own advice in the end. <laughs> but he did have some pretty powerful advice at the time. It could be a true story. It could be a parable. It's written as a parable, but I'm sure, you know, it actually happened at some point. And it's about a woman who is seductive. Now, not all women are seductive. I've worked with many women. I can assure you, not all women are seductive. Well, maybe they're just not interested in me. I don't know. No, I'm sure. <laughs> not all women are seductive it's about a seductive woman and a naive man i can assure you not all women are seductive i'm not sure about the other one okay <laughs> proverbs 7 it's true isn't it proverbs 7 verse 6 and says at the window of my house i look down through the lattice let's just stop there because that's a really important positioning statement what the author is saying, the author is Solomon, is that I have a bird's eye view, right? I'm above this. I have a 360 degree view of your life. So what I'm about to say, you might struggle with, you might not agree with, but I'm telling you that I'm looking at this from a high vantage point where I can see where you're headed and how it's gonna end up. That's what that means, right? That, that, that's a positioning shot at the start of the story let's get into the story i saw among the simple 
I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. That is not unusual, strange youth. (laughs) Because how many know that sense comes through experience? Sense comes as a result of time. That's why your parents get smarter as you get older. (laughs) They're really that smart the whole time, right? But it's just this, you know, you come to your senses as you gain experience. You come to your senses as you grow with age. It says he was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. There's our first word, direction. I want you to note that. In the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark night was beginning to set in. Now, if this really was a movie and there was music playing in the background, I want to suggest to you that the music in the background of the narrator and the music in the background of the naive young boy are two completely different songs. In the background of the narrator, there's that Jaws music playing, you know, you know like impending disaster, impending disaster. In the background of the, uh, of the naive young boy, it's, I don't know, maybe pods for the very first time, I feel so alive. Rod Stewart's tonight, the night, I mean, take your pick, I don't know, right? But he's thinking, I'm a movie star, right? And, you know, the, the, narrator, the, the, the narrator is seeing something different here. It says, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She wasn't a prostitute, but she was dressed very seductively. She's unruly defiant. Her feet never stay at home. I'd just like to linger there for a little bit, but I'll move on. Now in the street, now in the square, at every corner, she lurks. She took hold of him. She kissed him. With a brazen face, she said this, and I just love what she says. This is just so, um, so normal. This is, this is so repeated time and time again. This is so ununique what she says. Look what she says. Today, I fulfilled my vows. What, you know what they say? I'm not a bad person. That's what they just said. (laughs) I'm all right. I'm not like these other. They're bad people, but I'm actually a good person. I'm justified in doing what I'm doing. I'm not like those others. Today I've filled my vow and I have food uh, from my fellowship offering at home. This girl's been to church, folks. (laughs) That's what she's saying. Uh, We don't know whether this was a Canaanite or some kind of Jewish thing. But, but what she's saying is, you know, I, I've been to church, I've emptied out my sin bucket, you know, I've been to the priest and I've confessed my sins, I've paid the price, I've made the sacrifice, I'm forgiven. Now, let's go and fill up my sin bucket again. <laughs> I'm a good person, I have a few issues, but I'm okay. That's what she's saying. And that is so ununique. says this so I came out to meet you I looked for you and I found you and he's thinking I'm one in a million (laughs) she's looked just for me it's just about me I'm special he thinks he's one in a million the truth is he's one of a million so it's about to get a little R-rated folks 
Uh, I apologize to children, just cover your ears. Um, I don't write this stuff, all right? So don't, I don't look quite sure what Solomon's email is, but you t- t- tell him, he, he wrote you. She says this, you ready? I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what's going on here, right? Let me, let me just sort of fill you in on, on the, the mind games here. In ancient times, has anyone here ever visited, don't put your hand up, but a third world country, and you kind of smelt the place before you got there? Uh, I remember being in an airplane once, I won't say where I landed, and I remember they opened the door of the airplane, and I remember sitting in my seat, oh, 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 boy, we must be here, because it stunk. Well, that was pretty much the whole of the world 900 years before Christ. There was no kind of, you know, soap was not common. Um, uh, Toothpaste wasn't really a thing. There was no hot and cold running water and the kind of sewage systems that you and I take for granted. Uh, Honestly, uh, villages, towns smelt like a, a, a wet, smelly farmyard. So the world really stunk. It was, you know, it was a stinking mess. And this woman is saying to this particular young man, come with me, I'm going to take you away from the polluted smell of this world and we are going to have something perfect. I have, pre- I have prepared perfection for you, is what she's saying to him. And especially and only just for you, I think, you are something amazing. You are one in a million, and I have something perfect for you. That's the belief that she's trying to communicate to him so that he can follow her. Now, it said earlier that he was naive, and clearly he is. He's not completely stupid because she's about to answer a question that I think must have been in his head. You can tell that by what she says next because he's thinking to himself, hey, aren't you married? Like, well, let me put it another way. Aren't you connected to people? If you're connected to people and I have sex with you, then I'm not just affecting you. Aren't I affecting everybody in your world? Aren't I affecting, you know, your, your husband if you've got one? Or if you have, maybe your mother or your father if you don't have, I mean, have you got brothers and sisters? Are you just kind of on your own? Like, is, is that how this works? And, and so that's a fair question. It must have been in his head. And the reason I say that is because look at what, is written next she says this my husband is not at home he's gone on a long journey he took his purse filled with money and will not be home till the full moon what is that saying that's saying this come on there's no consequences if we don't get caught what that's saying is that there is no connection with what you do today and what you experience tomorrow unless you get caught. Did you pick that up? See, that's the foolishness, right? That that as long as you keep that good intention, a diversion will not show up in your experience tomorrow. You'll be okay. We won't get caught. Nobody need know. My, My husband's a long way away. I'm totally on my own. It's just between you and me. You see... The lie 
that this woman is peddling to this naive young man is it only matters if you get caught. Got quiet in this Presbyterian church all of a sudden. (laughs) With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. There is no connection between what you do today and your experience tomorrow. She led him astray. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. This is actually like a deer stepping into the noose. Now, in his mind, he's like Tom Cruise, baby. <laughs> in, in, in his mind, he's like James Bond, you know? Like, I'm a rock star. I, I, I'm cool. Man, this girl, she's coming after me. All my buddies, when I go and brag about this, my buddies are going to think I'm the coolest thing ever. I mean, I, I've got it together. I, I, I've hit a home run. Right? This is really exciting. He sees himself as James Bond. The narrator sees him as a cow being shuffled up the ramp to be donged on the head at the abattoir. <laughs> Hope you see the difference there. One guy thinks he's the coolest dude ever to live, but in reality, he's like a cow about to be slaughtered. An arrow pierces his liver like a a bird darting into a snare. Little knowing it will cost him his life. And and you know, you could argue, you could push back there and go, Oh, come on, Solomon. You've been a bit of a drama queen. Come on. Cost him his life? I don't think so. I mean, he might get a disease. Well, you know, we can get that figured out, you know. Might cost him a little bit of money, might cost him a little bit of time. But if nobody knows, it's not going to cost you your life. He still has his hopes and dreams of what his future is going to look like. He hasn't changed his intentions. This is just a diversion. This is just a moment in time. Stop worrying, Solomon. So Solomon now addresses the the group he's talking to. So he's speaking. He's just told the story. It's a parable. Now, as I said, possibly it was the relay of something that actually happened. We don't know. It doesn't really matter. He says, now then, my sons, listen to me. So now he's talking to the people. He's talking to us. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her. Isn't this interesting? Not to her house, not to her bedroom, but to her ways. You get that ways. Stop uh, or stray into her paths. These things give ideas of something leading somewhere right that there is motion attached to it that this is not just a diversion that this is a pathway this is not just this young man satisfying his lust or his curiosity but this can show up again and again and again in his future then solomon makes this statement which we're going to finish with many Ah, the victim she has brought down. He's not one in a million. He's one of a million. And I can tell you right now, as you can, as I'm saying this, your mind is thinking of people. Stop it and start thinking of yourself. (laughs) Start thinking about the direction of my life. Some of you right now, you're thinking, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. I wish such-and-such had known that. And I appreciate there's application here all over the place. 
But this morning, I want to bring the application back to me, to you. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are among a mighty throng. I've got to tell you, folks, this is such an issue. The people think their direction and their intention are two separate things. I want to tell you, your direction will trump your intention every time. Every time. I don't care how strong a desire you have, how large your intention you might have developed, how big the vision might be, how great and grandiose. The question is the direction. You, can, um, you can't talk your way out of something you behaved your way into. You wind up lost as a result of the process. You don't get lost in a moment. You know, you're not just walking down the street. You, oh, you trip over and you get lost. There's a process. We just heard of a process. You, you, you don't get lost in a moment, seemingly, uh, oppositely, conversely, neither does everything get sorted out in a moment. It's a process that gets you lost, but it's a process that can also bring you back to what your intention was. And the good news is that I guess this morning is that God offers us that way. He offers us that process. You see, you might think you are unique, but I, I want you to know this morning your experience is not unique. Your temptations are not unique. What you've done in your past is not unique. You are one amongst a million. You are not one in a million. The, the, the same way that your past is not unique, neither is your destiny. You might be. But you go to a counsellor, the counsellor will listen to you and it's important that sometimes to get, work things out. I'm not saying you shouldn't, I'm saying you should. But he sits there with a pen and writes out his grocery list, you know. Because he knows that there's, it's, it, there's no magic fix here. There's no few words that are going to solve all your problems and tomorrow you'll wake up and the sun is shining and it's like your history is gone. That world doesn't exist. All he, all he wants to do is change the direction of your life and there might be people here this morning and you've got people in your world and they say things to you and every now and again they remind you and you don't want to talk to them do you in fact you hide from them uh you, you know when people stop coming to church and no aspersions here but people stop coming to church because they're hiding something because that, that they probably haven't changed their intention they probably still want a relationship with God a relationship with their family they still want to have financial you know success and all these things that we spoke about but they want a different path and they've convinced themselves they'll be able to manage the consequences and still arrive at their intention they're wrong they're wrong we've said earlier on and I'll put this up on the screen uh, and our first, uh, our first Sunday on this, this series, Direction Determines Destination. I'm going to add another word to it. If you can put it up on the screen behind me. We, we say direction determines destination. I want to add another word because I just think this is so important. Direction, not intention. Direction, not intention. Your direction is not found in your ardent desire. Your direction is found in your behavior. It's not what you want. It's how you behave that determines where you end up. 
Not, you know, you can be praying for stuff and believing for stuff and hoping for stuff, but behaving in the opposite direction. You can fast for 40 days, it's not gonna change it. You know, sometimes we put in prayer requests, we say, oh God, I have this ardent desire, this huge hope, I wanna end up there, and we keep behaving there, and we say, God, do a miracle. And we wonder, we get mad and cranky and angry with God. And some of you might be saying, I don't know where you live, mate, but you don't live in the real world. <laughs> I mean, you're just trying to take away all my fun. You know, I mean, there are some things that I enjoy and nobody knows about it, right? It's, it's, it's harmless. There are no victims. No one's getting hurt. It's okay. As long as we, you know, keep it hidden from people, nobody needs to worry. Stop asking me for stuff. Stop asking... God wants nothing from any of us. Did you know that? God wants nothing from you. He wants everything for you. So many people walk away from church because they think God is this killjoy in the sky who wants this stuff from me. I, I want you to know that today that God wants nothing from you. He wants everything for you. In the same way, I don't know, I've said this before, uh, I want nothing from my children. I've, it's my birthday in a few weeks and my kids will ask my wife find out what he wants for his birthday and I'll make stuff up right because I want nothing from my children nothing there's genuinely nothing they can give me that I want now I will act oh that's just what I wanted you know what I'm saying but you know ultimately that's not what I want what I want is that that relationship there's nothing they can buy me or give me that I want. I want for them. I want them to be blessed. I want them to you know, be fulfilled. I want them to have a good family. I want for them. I want, and I'm evil. What about our Father in heaven? He wants nothing from you. He wants everything for you. So go home and try this. Some of you might. Most of you might, but some of you might. Get a couple of boxes. The reason I say get a box is because when you're moving, we just, a few years ago now, we sold Francine's parents' house at Dimbore, and God knows we got a box or two or three or 10 or 12. <laughs> two more boxes should do it. Five boxes later, you know, anyway. <laughs> get a couple of boxes. And in one box, write down or put something that represents all the fun that you've had, all the entertainment that you've had and, and then put all the money that it cost and in another box put the times when you have given to something or somebody when you couldn't afford it put the times when you went to that person's house when you didn't have the time when you actually had scheduled something else to happen but you put your own needs and your own agenda aside to attend to the needs and agenda of another person when you genuinely put the welfare of someone else before your own welfare, put them in another box and compare the two and ask yourself, now if you've never done that, then I suggest you do that so then you can compare, right? If you've never given an offering or, or done something for others that cost you personally and that, that, that ate into already a, a pre-designed time that was for yourself, and look at those two and ask yourself, which do you want more of? What is, what is more beneficial? What feels better to you? Because I want to suggest to you that fun is okay. Entertainment is fine. But the fun and entertainment that you've had in your life, you've pretty much forgotten about it. 
and, and it doesn't really affect you. Unless it just happens to, you know, you, you, you look at a photo or something shows up, even if it's legitimate. Whereas satisfaction is a traveling companion. Satisfaction sits beside you. You know, Francine spoke a couple of weeks ago about, um, was it last week, sorry, uh, about responding to the Holy Spirit. You know, do, and you've responded to the Holy Spirit. And pretty much every time you respond to the Holy Spirit, it's putting the welfare of others against, over the welfare of, of yourself. That's what the Holy Spirit gets us to do. Do you know why? Because nothing leaves you feeling more valuable than that. And so you've done that. And, and, and look back at that and you go, that actually gives me a sense of satisfaction. Satisfaction is a traveling companion. Satisfaction sits alongside you as you drive. Fun, you can see the rear vision mirror. Fun is, is just small and it's, it's dissipating and in, in a short space of time, you won't even see it anymore. But satisfaction will travel with you. Satisfaction is a result of arriving at your intentions. You're satisfied when you have the marriage you intended to have. You're satisfied when you've become the person that you intended to be. Maybe we could do with a little less entertainment and a little more joy, a little more peace, a little more satisfaction. Maybe you're here today and you need to take a U-turn. Jesus said this. He said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That idea there of rest, it's satisfaction. It's, ah. Oh, it's, it's, it's not like he's going to do stuff with you or to you that's going to cause you to somehow lose. Follow Jesus always equals a win in the long term. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Two weeks ago, Pastor Tim spoke about this. He spoke about following Jesus. Get as close to Jesus as you can get. That that's how you get on the pathway of your intention. Because strangely enough, God's will for your life and your ultimate satisfaction are all based around the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. I mean, they're the things we really, really want. Paul made the statement. He said, I found the key to satisfaction irrespective of my circumstances. Irrespective of whether I have a lot or whether, whether I don't have much, it doesn't change my sense of satisfaction. Why? Because I'm becoming the person that I intended to be. It's all about direction. It's not about intention. Thank you for listening to this podcast.